ever read something in the Bible and all of a sudden you are thinking, this is the most stupid thing I've ever read. How can people believe such a thing? Listen very carefully and I'll tell you how. This is Matt in the Man Cave, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching all the videos. Guys, if you like this video, would you give me a thumbs up on it? It helps promote my channel. Also, a special thank you to my Patreon partners out there for supporting me, helping me to pay my electricity bill, my water bill, my cable bill, and put gas in my car. Have you ever thought that someone's beliefs was stupid? Meaning this, that you thought, how can they believe such a thing? That's not what the Bible says. Or you thought you had greater understanding than someone else. Friends, I think we've all been there and it depends on where we are with Christ and what our what understanding of the word of God is. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul goes over a story. And within this story, it's amazing because again, I used to look at it and I thought, well, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But really, when you understand what's behind the story, what's behind what Paul is talking about, it's like, now it makes sense. And I think a lot of times people have baggage. People have the wrong understanding of God. People have learned incorrectly. And they don't understand what maybe you and I understand. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. This is Paul's writings. Listen to this. Now, about foods sacrificed to idols. You know, when I hear that, the first thing I think that has nothing to do with me, click, or just shut the Bible. I've gone to church and actually thought, like, why am I even here? I'm wasting my time. I don't want to hear this. I understand the premise, but you don't. Listen, listen, I know you think you do, but you don't. Now, about food sacrificed to idols. Idols, can't even talk. We know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Paul's saying, listen very carefully, Paul's saying, you're smart, but sometimes we're too smart for our own britches, and you don't know what you're talking about. Sometimes we're believing what we think is the truth, and it's not even the truth. Paul's saying this, in your knowledge, in your education, in your status in life, sometimes, sometimes we think more highly of ourselves, and it's sin. It goes on to say this, those who think they know something <laughs> do not yet know anything at all like they should know. And you're like, well, Guys, let well, me continue now. on. So then about eating foods sacrificed to idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world and that there is no God but one, our God. For even if there are so-called gods with a small g, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet, yet for, us, for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. So let me explain what all that means. 
there were individuals who were very, very upset that they could look over here at their brother in Christ. And their brother in Christ had no problem at all eating meat that was sacrificed unto an idol. He would get really ticked. And because this person is digging their heels in, in their Christian liberty, in their free will, and thinking, man, you're just naive. You're just stupid. You know, that's, I mean, this person over here is in their knowledge is puffed up saying, hey, there's only one God. There isn't many gods. I'm going to eat this steak. I don't care who it's sacrificed to. But this guy over here, he's really twisted. He's really upset. God is saying, and Paul is saying, that you're not to do something that makes another one stumble. Because if you truly know me as God, you won't do it. You're not going to take your liberty and smash down your brother. You guys know Matt loves steak, right? Even today, I had two big, fat, juicy steaks. Guys, check out these steaks. There's a local place called The Butcher Shop that we get our meat from now. Um, what's amazing is these steaks are roughly the same price as ground beef at Walmart. So there's a problem. Look how thick that is. This is probably an inch and a half thick. Um, they butcher their own meat. And so I, I'm thinking Walmart is utilizing the pandemic to jack their prices up on meats. You know, it's kind of a monopoly. And here this butcher shop is selling me uh, two-inch fatty steak strips for the same price per pound that I can buy ground beef at Walmart. I don't mind eating steak instead of hamburgers. <laughs> I mean, look, look, color me stupid. Uh. During the Old Testament times and the New Testament times, they believed all meat was tainted. How? They believed once an animal was slaughtered that evil spirits, demonic spirits, attached themselves to the meat. Are you with me? I mean, all meat. Everybody understood this. But what they liked to do is they would take this animal that was, what, demon-possessed. They truly believed this. Everyone believed it. And they would take it to a priest. Not so much a Christian priest, it could be a bell priest. It could be an Asherah priest. It could be this guy over here. And what they would do is they give this meat to this priest. Now, what the priest would do is he would take a third of that meat for payment. He would sacrifice a third, and the person who brought it would get to keep a third. Now, after they went through the rituals, that meat was now cleansed. Now, since the meat is cleansed, the guy who brought the meat who had the demon-possessed meat, he now could take one-third of his meat home, and he was really happy because now this meat had been cleansed through rituals, and he could eat this meat. There was no problem with the meat. The priest had the option to eat the meat, but because he was busy all day long, what was he doing? Sacrificing meat unto God. Let's say this false pagan priest has all of this meat because thousands of people would come to him every day. They would take a third, they'd give him a third, and they would burn a third. But he didn't have any use for the meat. But now the meat was what? In the eyes of the people, it was cleansed. 
and that was a premium piece of beef. Now people could go to him and they could buy that piece of meat. And they're like, man, I'll buy that piece of meat. Is it cleansed? And he'd be like, yeah, it's totally cleansed. Okay, there's no demonic. There's no devils. There's no dem demons. This thing is cleansed. I've cleansed it. And it was very, very popular. I mean, literally, it was very popular to get your meat from this guy. And he had so much meat that he would sell it at a discount. And so lots of people, when they wanted to get meat, they would go get meat that had been, okay, originally sacrificed to idols. Now, the meat that was sacrificed to the idol, eventually that piece of meat was sold too. But that meat was a little bit different than the meat that the priest is giving you because it, it was a burnt sacrifice. But a lot of times it was still edible and people would want to buy it and people would want to eat it. John MacArthur says this in his commentary. Listen to this. Giving food sacrifices, which were usually meat, was of great importance in regards to both of those beliefs. It was believed that evil spirits were constantly trying to invade human beings. And the easiest way for those spirits to get into a human being was through what they ate. John goes on to say this in his commentary. The only way the spirits could be removed from food was through it being sacrificed to a deity, to a god. The sacrifice, therefore, served two purposes. It gained the favor of the god and cleansed the meat, the meat from, from the, the demonic contamination. The eating of meat offered to idols, therefore, had the same two associations for Christians, especially for those who had grown up in that region, in that atmosphere. The meat was associated with pagan gods and goddesses, having been a part of an offering to a false deity. This association and superstition led some to say, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to eat it. So you got a guy over here that has no problem. He says, there's one God, it's my God. And there are no, you can have all the rituals you want. You're not, you're just mumbo jumbo. You're blah, 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 blah. And they're going through all these crazy rituals. And so this guy fully understands I'm getting cheap meat, meaning this, uh, you know what I'm saying? There's a, there's this place I like to go buy steaks and it's half the price of Walmart's ground beef, meaning ground beef at Walmart is the same as this place. What if I just, I didn't like the owner or they, they said something to me one day and I was like, I'm not going there. They're non-Christians. I'm not going to buy meat from non-Christians. You see how crazy it is? But this guy understands, hey, I could care less if it's offered to a false deity. There is but one God. Yet this Christian over here, he doesn't like what took place. Yeah, you took this meat and you were offering it to Satan. Uh, I just I just can't get it right. Paul says this individual over here is weak-minded because his relationship isn't where it needs to be to know there's just one God. They're, they're, just, they're just talking nonsense over here. And yet God's saying to, God's this, saying to one, this guy over here, don't let your freedom in Christ and your liberty upset your brother. Meaning it's okay if you eat the meat, but don't do it in a way that's right before him that causes him to stumble because he is not where you are yet. Friends in our Christian lives, oh my goodness, this happens all of the time. Yep. Yet to be at a church where someone overheard someone else and it, they were highly offensive. How could that person call themselves a Christian and, and be acting like that and doing that? And yet this person over here says, what a busybody, what a gossip. And Satan uses these things to have us destroy ourselves. We implode.
a house divided cannot stand. That's what the word of God says. It cannot stand. God says, who? God, that the more mature Christian, the one that has knowledge, the one that's been with the Lord longer, that has a stronger relationship, he's not to use his liberty, his freedom, his understanding and be puffed up. He, what he's to do is to what? To bless and not to throw that before the person. God will get this person eventually through the process of sanctification, through the process of being discipled to this place over here. But friends, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the guiltiest one of all. Do, do you realize that I would go into a church as a pastor and I would just be so adamant that those people should know right from wrong. They should absolutely know that, hey, this over here is absolutely forbidden in scripture. I can remember one time, this is how arrogant I was, washing my hands of the whole congregation. You got, you got to be kidding me. I go like this. I said, I love you, but I wash my hands of you. And is that a good shepherd? No, the shepherd is to teach, to love, to show mercy, to show grace. My wife was filming me. You know what she thought? She said, he's resigning. He's going to resign. What was taking place at that church? That church, the majority of it, was part of something that is not acceptable by God. Absolutely. John MacArthur has a whole commentary on what they were a part of, but it is a false worship and what looks like from the outside, knowledge-based, this is a good thing, was not a good thing. What should I have done? In love, taught them. What happened? I had to leave that church because they didn't like my response and I sure didn't like what they were a part of and it just imploded, it literally imploded. But if an individual, and I want to say this, there's a right way to teach and there's a wrong way to teach. And I was doing it in the wrong, but it doesn't mean theologically I was wrong. I am 100% correct. I've, I've studied to show myself approved under God, but I can't use my knowledge and be prideful and be like a peacock. I'm right, you're wrong. I wash my hands of you. You're going to burn in hell. That's true, but I can't act like that. Why? Because I'm a clanging symbol. They won't receive it. Do you understand? They're not going to receive that. It's true. They're going to go to hell unless they get out of that which they're a part of. God says you have to not just say sorry, but you have to do an about face. You have to turn from that. God never came to save us in our sins, but to empower us to get out of those sins. And I'm hoping over time that God will pull out his and teach One time. Them. I was at a church and they had these pictures of angels. I'd never taught about the Ten Commandments yet. I hadn't taught them. What did I do? I ripped off about $25,000 worth of artwork off, off the walls. I busted it in pieces. The kids thought that was the funniest thing in the world. I threw them all in the trash. And uh, the head guy, you know, the head deacon, the elder called me up and said, Matt, we've been robbed. I was like, what'd they rob? They get the safe? What'd they get? The, all the artwork of the, you know, of the angels, you know, that was donated to the church with the gold frames. Oh, no, you haven't been robbed. That was an abomination unto God. God says, uh, don't do that. I threw him away. You did what? What should I have done? I should have taught. And I should have given the option to get rid of that stuff. You can't have that stuff in the church. God is so clear about it. It's black and white. There's no gray areas. You have to realize so many people are living in the grays. And this text starts like this, that we have knowledge, but our knowledge oftentimes 
isn't correct. Our truth that what we believe, we've been believing a lie. We're believing something that was taught to us, but it isn't theologically sound doctrine. Matthew 7, 21 is the scariest verse in the entire Bible. Literally, the scariest verse in the entire Bible. Because it says that there's going to be a time during a judgment, the great white throne judgment, that people are standing before Jesus and before God in his holiness, in his essence, with the elders. And they're going to say, Lord, Lord, did we not do miracles? Did we not feed the children? Did we not do? And they're going to start listing all of the things that they did in this life. Jesus says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. How scary is that? What happened? What took place there? What happened is they were a part of something, and God says, I won't share my glory. It's all about God. It's not about you. It's not about me. Do you understand? It's not about us. It's about him. And it's about us getting on the right page. It's about us understanding scripture. It's about us doing our due diligence and getting into commentaries and finding out what do I believe and why is it right and why is it wrong? And then making the adjustments in my life. Why would I, I want, want to believe be a lie all of my life only to be judged by it and to spend eternity in hell? God says point blank, our good works are filthy rags to him. Friends, what do you believe? And why do you believe what you believe? Is it in scripture? I mean, is it truly in scripture? What do other people think about what you believe? Does it, does it line up with doctrine? Does it line up with other people who are mighty men of the faith? So many times it doesn't. And, it's, and we dig our heels in. I'm fighting them, they're fighting me. I'm right in what I believe because I've done my due diligence. And yet, they're ignorant and it's gonna cost them because even in the knowledge that they have oftentimes, they're puffed up in that thinking they're right. Well, my grandfather was a part of this or my father's father or they start naming different people that they know that were famous or this politician, they start naming all of these people who had power, who had resources, who had money, who had influence, that are known, that, that are historians. They name all of these people. And yet God says in heaven, I don't know you. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Knowledge is great if it's correct. And I'm not talking about bending scriptures. What I'm talking about is getting on the same page with God. It's about his glory. It's about him. It has never been about you and I. It's not. Where do you think all this chaos started from? Satan saying, I will ascend. I will. I will raise my kingdom above your kingdom. I will be greater than God. It was just all these different eyes. Satan wanted to be above God, and God's like, no. And he was thrown out of heaven, and a third of the angels followed him. And now you and I are in a cosmic battle, day and night, night and day. We're in a battle. And God says, it's not about me fighting you and you fighting me. We don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness, against all these different things. Friends, you have an expiration date. 
you and I, how could we ever be arrogant? How could we ever be prideful realizing this? There's going to be a time when I'm going to take my last breath here and it's over. If I got it wrong, then I got it wrong for eternity. But if I got it right, it's because everything and all my chips were on Jesus Christ alone. I bring nothing to the table. I cling to Christ alone. It's all about him. Don't take your liberties. Don't take your freedoms and shove them down some person's neck because they're not where you are. And yet, at the same time, don't think you have it all figured out because God says you don't. Do you understand? Verse 4 says you don't have it figured out. You got nothing figured out. He's the sovereign potentate. He's the one that spoke words and everything came into existence. He's the one that sent his son. And how in the world and why in the world would he ever want to die for me knowing I am a sinner and I would rebel against him most of my life until he got involved in my life. Oh, guys, don't take your knowledge and shove it down someone's throat. And don't take your knowledge and go the wrong direction thinking you got it figured out. Friends, you're beating your chest and you're saying this, I am what I am by the grace of God. God saved me. I'm a wretched sinner and you are. Don't think you're something special. You're nothing. I'm nothing. He's everything. If it wasn't for him, you wouldn't be here. If he didn't die on the cross, you wouldn't be here. But you are here. So extend the love of God. Be understanding. It's not on anyone else. It's on you. That church I was at, out of that entire church, guys, there was a guy every Sunday. He would just scream out, Amen! Preach it, brother! Amen! Amen! And I loved hearing it. Because amen meant truth, truth. Jesus said verily, verily, truth, truth. He was, we say amen at the end of our prayers. Uh, Jesus said it before. One day he came to the office and Tracy and I were there. We were talking to him. He was telling me about some of the things that were going on in his life. And I had to point blank tell him, bud, you're not saved. You wouldn't be experiencing that. Satan can't have that kind of access if you belong to Jesus Christ. Tell me about your life. Tell me what's in your room. Tell me what you, you know. And he started telling me all this pagan stuff, all these crazy stuff that he has. He wanted to study all the religions. And I said, you got to get all that stuff and you got to burn it. And you got to do it today. You got to get rid of it. I mean, and he had to go through his entire room it just burned just like cases and cases and cases of all this junk and all these statues and all these pictures and everything. And, and he prayed with me and he had to tell and he was having these visions and stuff of, of, of God and Satan standing next to each other with all this other stuff. I says, that's not God. God's not going to divide himself. No, no, no. There's one God and there is none other. You have to realize you are being influenced greatly by the demonic kingdom. And finally, he prayed with me. And he cried out to God, and I never will believe it. I will never to this day believe it. He changed. He literally got rid of everything, and he wasn't perfectly clean because he had a few mental issues, but he got saved. But one day they came up to me and they said, hey, we talked to him about crying out and saying amen during your sermon, interrupting you. I said, you did what? Why did you do that? He's full of the Holy Spirit. You see what I'm saying? Jesus said, hey, if my disciples wouldn't cry out, the rocks would. 
this guy was the only one that I could verify in my heart of heart that he actually is saved. The rest of them were a part of a cult, a part of a false belief system that they had been, what, ushered into, but they think in their knowledge that they're okay. And it's just downright scary for them because they will continue on in their knowledge, in what they consider truth until the end, unless God does something. Sometimes God does and sometimes God doesn't. God gives us free will. If anything you're a part of is glorifying man, it's not of God. Everything belongs to God. All glory and praise goes to God. When I show up, I'm naked. Why should I let you into my heaven? You shouldn't. I'm a wretched, rotten sinner. You shouldn't let me into your heaven, Lord. But I believed in your son and I asked him into my heart. And I've trusted him. And I'm filled with your spirit. Father, it's all about your son. It's not about me. Wash me with the blood continually, daily, Lord. And he has. There's no bragging. There's no arrogance. There's no putting someone down because they don't believe like you believe. But we will all stand and give an account for our lives. Do you understand that? We're all going to give an account. So if you're wrong, you're wrong for eternity. I hope this has blessed you. I hope this has helped you. I hope you understand back then they truly believed that meat had demons on it. Oh, who could think of such a thing today? When I go and buy my steaks, man, I don't think there's demons. I, as soon as I start looking at those ribeyes and those New York strips, I start praising Jesus, Lord. Lord, I'd like to buy them all, but I can only buy two right now. But the two that I can have, I'm going to raise that up to you. And I'm going to say, thank you, Lord, for the meat. But back then, they were so sure. Listen, they were so sure that that meat had demonic spirits that they would give two-thirds of every piece of beef they had. Whenever they slaughtered an animal, they're giving two-thirds, that's real money, folks, a third to the priest, a third to sacrificing so they could feel good in their heart. And yet there are people that can feel good in their heart and justify their sins and walk blindly all the days of their life and close their eyes in death and go straight to hell. Don't let that be you.